the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Time for the El Conservador Radio Show with George Rodriguez. George is a constitutional conservative who loves to expose fake news and liberals. Be a part of the show. Call 210-308-8867. And now, El Conservador, George Rodriguez. Howdy, 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 my friends. George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you from San Antonio, deep in the heart of South Texas, on KLUP 930 AM, The Answer. And uh, this is our maiden voyage, my friends. This is our first uh, program, and uh, the first of uh, many to come, I hope. And uh, we're certainly happy that uh, we've gotten uh, the response and the support that we've already gotten regarding the program. El Conservador loves you, loves you, loves you for it. Uh, so let's start. Let's start this. Uh, we're going to talk in this segment regarding illegal immigration and what's happening in our backyards uh, across the country and here in our backyard. Uh, but let's start. Let me first start with an interesting story that I came across uh, yesterday in uh, regarding uh, the na- well, this was reported by National Public Radio, and it's regarding illegal immigration in Europe, specifically in Italy. And uh, what I want to point out to you, my friends, is it's very, very interesting how the liberal media. Uh, these uh, these these folks who are, you know, they, they don't admit that they are, but they are open borders folks and um, globalists, I guess you might want to call them. I don't know. I, I, I hate branding people just uh, with with general terms. But I mean, it's very, very interesting to me how the liberal media uh, portrays the story of illegal immigration, not only here in the United States, but across the country, across the world, rather. Um, this story, in fact, uh, talks about how. Uh, they're reporting how illegal aliens from sub-Sahara Africa are endangering themselves by traveling over the Alps uh, to France because Italy has closed off um, their borders to illegal immigration, and they are uh, in the process of removing illegal immigrants. Uh, So the liberal media is condemning Italy uh, for closing its borders, of course, uh, and causing these immigrants to endanger themselves by having to travel to, uh, to France over the Alps. Uh, you know, again, this is just the liberal media and open borders advocates, of course. Uh, it's just like the ones that here in the United States blame Trump for opposing illegal immigration into the United States. Same way they are criticizing Italian officials now for protecting the borders of Italy. Uh, this lady who works for the Red Cross is quoted, uh, Alicia Amen, uh, Amendola. She is quoted in saying, you know, that uh, in her work with the Red Cross, uh, that the high snowy mountain passes, she says, uh, the immigrants are trying to go from from Italy to France illegally, of course. She admits it, that they're trying to do it illegally. We are in the mountains, and it's really dangerous. Well, again, my friends, who really places these people in danger? Is it the, the, the country that, uh, you know, that, that, that is protecting its borders and thus protecting its citizens? Or is it these people that have made the decision to try to enter a country illegally, that have showed up at your doorstep literally uninvited? Why doesn't it occur to these folks? to discourage people from, uh, from immigrating illegally, okay? Why, why doesn't it occur to them? Why don't they tell illegal immigrants or immigrants in general to stop endangering themselves, and in some cases their children, as we see here in the United States, and, and, and their kids and their families, uh, you know, by, and follow a process of immigration? What has happened to all the money? I would like to know what has happened to all the money that we as American citizens as taxpayers, not to mention other developed countries, but what has happened to all that money that we send to these underdeveloped nations, to these third world countries? What's happened to that money? Also, you know, uh, whether, whether they want to admit it or, or not, these open borders groups, these liberal governments, are, are, are encouraging it, are encouraging and rewarding illegal immigration. Whether they want to admit it or not, that's what they're doing. You know, th- that can be dangerous. It can be dangerous to the uninformed and uneducated people who are following rumors and, and a dream. It's dangerous to them. They, they, being the liberal media, should be out there telling the truth and telling people to stay home. But, you know, perhaps the goal of the liberal media and, and you know, definitely these open border folks, maybe the goal 
is not so much to help the third world folks as it is, and dare I say it, I'm going to say it, suppose the goal is to destabilize the developed nations. Well, whatever the truth is, my friends, whatever the truth is or whatever their true goal is, we cannot continue to reward and excuse illegal immigration under any circumstance. Okay. You know, got it? Got it? Second note, second uh, quickie here that we've got on illegal immigration. You know, I've got to ask myself, is party politics more important than citizen, uh, citizen uh, public safety? I've got to ask myself. And the reason I do that is because Democrat, Congre- Democrat uh, governor in New York, New York governor Andrew Cuomo, has directly challenged President Trump on immigration policies again. On Monday, December 31st, he issued a pardon to 22 illegal aliens that uh, had a criminal record, that were under detention by the state for criminal behavior. And uh, they, they were at a risk for deportation. And so what does he do? He, uh, he, he pardons them and turns them loose. You know, again, is this a, 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 I mean, what is the idea? I'm trying to figure it out. What is the idea that's going on here? Is this somehow trying to tweak President Trump's nose on the issue of immigration? Or is it, you know, does he realize how endangering he is, uh, how much he is endangering his citizens in New York? Well, of course, those illegal aliens are not going to stay in New York. Probably the most, most of them are going to, you know, uh, travel out of there. Or if they do, they'll stay in New York City, you know, which is good enough for me. I don't know. But, uh, you know, it, it, again, is party politics and the hatred of Donald Trump that great that he would risk his citizens, his legal, lawful citizens, by releasing illegal aliens that had been arrested for a crime. I just wonder. Another issue, another issue that has popped up, and this has popped up, we've talked about it before, is this issue of driver's licenses. It was reported, um, it was reported in, in, uh, uh, in, in, uh, by a newspaper out in uh, Los Angeles uh, that the uh, illegal aliens are having a hard time now. They're, they're potentially having a hard time with the idea of them getting driver's licenses. Because that could cause them to get on a record, and then ICE could track them down. So they're, they're at a quandary with that. The states, the uh, illegal alien advocates, the open borders crowd, all these liberals, they're at a quandary. Whether to give them a driver's license and risk having them on a roll, which would make it a lot easier for, uh, for ICE to track them down, uh, or to, I guess, continue to let them violate laws. Uh, many laws by, by allowing them to drive. The question that I have, my friends, why should illegal aliens have the right and the privilege to drive in the United States if they're illegal aliens? Why? I, I just wonder. I just wonder, what's the point of being a lawful citizen if illegal aliens have the same rights, benefits, and privileges? And I guarantee, my friends, driving a car, having a driver's license is a privilege. It is a benefit. It is a privilege. And, uh, and, 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 you know, it, it is just amazing to me. Finally, let's talk about this. Uh, this is very, very similar to the first story that, that we talked about, the report by NPR. Because illegal alien families, it's, it's the, there's a report uh, now that illegal alien families have shifted their, uh, their trek, their route, uh, to more dangerous desert crossings because they're trying to avoid the, 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 um, uh, they're trying to avoid the, the Border Patrol. Uh, which has tightened up uh, border security quite a bit. Illegal alien families uh, are going to are are, are uh, traveling through dangerous desert crossings, according to this uh, report in the uh, Los Angeles Times. And uh, increasingly, and and they specifically say that it's Guatemalan families, uh, many of them families, and I put that in quote because uh, many of them are just adults with minors, are choosing to enter the United States illegally through dangerous and remote remote deserts to avoid the border patrol. It's their decision, my friends. Let's understand that. Let's make sure that we understand that. It's their decision to use these routes, and it's leading to illness and death, particularly for children. In the past, these illegal aliens tried to sneak into the United States uh, through the long-established routes uh, in the Texas Rio Grande Valley in Laredo uh, and other places you know, along the South Texas border. But recent government figures are showing that a growing number of these families, again, I use that term very, very loosely, these families, these adults with kids, are crossing along a 268-mile desert stretch of the border known as the El Paso sector, obviously because it's over by El Paso and New Mexico. 
and it includes Western Texas as well as all of New Mexico. And anybody who's traveled in that direction, my friends, recognizes that that is remote desert area. The area is remote, it's mountainous, and it, in the wintertime, it's a lot colder than here uh, in South Texas because, again, it's mountainous. <laughs> Remember? It's mountainous. Also, you know, it, because it is sparsely populated, there are very few support groups that are going to help the illegal aliens like they do in the Rio Grande Valley. There's just not the resources there to, uh, to help somebody to cross illegally. In November, in November 2018, the Border Patrol caught... In the El Paso sector, they caught 11,600 people traveling as families. Uh, 1,106,000. 11,000, excuse me, 11,600. 11,600 people. 11, just in November. 20 times the number that they had uh, uh, intercepted or detained or caught back in November of 2017. That's amazing, my friends. Again, that is amazing. Most of them from Guatemala. Most of them from Guatemala. Democrat politicians in the liberal media, of course, are criticizing President Trump and, uh, uh, you know, for the recent deaths of the two Guatemalan kids who died uh, when they entered through that El Paso area. Now, again, my friends, we don't know these poor kids. Uh, you know, the death, of a, the, the death of a kid is very, very tragic. It's very, very tragic. It's nothing that I, that I am mocking or, or, or using for political purposes. I am just pointing out the facts. That first of all, we don't know what condition, what health condition these kids were in. But then secondly, for an adult to drag a child through those remote cold areas in December, in December, because that's when they brought them, these kids. You know, it's, you're asking for trouble, my friends. You're asking for trouble. And then the United States, the Border Patrol, the taxpayer, the president... We get blamed for it because somehow we're, just, we're supposed to allow anybody and everybody into our, our home. You know, it, 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 the logic, it, it defies logic. The death of any child is tragic, my friends. But it's made worse when blame is misdirected for political reasons. I'll say that again. It's made worse. The death of a child is made worse when the blame is misdirected for political purposes. Foreigners should be encouraged to come to the United States e uh, to, to come to the United States legally and following a process legally and following a process they should not be encouraged to come illegally and because illegal immigration should never be justified or rewarded under any condition Dr. Sebastian Gorka explains leadership. Can I remind you that for the eight years of the Obama administration, they had a phrase for their role in the world, which was leading from behind. It's an oxymoron. It's an idiot's phrase. You cannot lead from behind. And America is leading from the front again. America First with Dr. Sebastian Gorka. Afternoons at 2, right before Larry Elder at 5 on 9.30 a.m. The Answer. Howdy, howdy, howdy once again, my friends. George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you from San Antonio, deep in the heart of South Texas on KLUP 930 AM, The Answer. All right, so let's uh, talk about in this segment, let's, uh, let's talk about a very, very hot issue uh, here locally in, uh, in Texas, as well as uh, in virtually every county in Texas. And I would venture to say, not only in Texas, but throughout the country, I would say every county in the United States is suffering from this problem, particularly the big urban counties that are controlled by the, uh, by the Democrats. And that issue, my friends, that issue very simply is voter fraud. Voter fraud. Uh, here in Texas, here in San Antonio, it was reported, and my, uh, let me add that it was reported not by the local media, because for some reason the local media just didn't think it was that important. At any rate, it was uh, reported by, um, in, by the Houston Chronicle uh, that the, state, um, the state's contested voter ID law that it's provoked widespread complications uh, for the upcoming presidential elections. And uh, as many as 18% uh, 
of all registered voters apparently uh, lack government-issued ID photos uh, to match their, ver- their, their, their voter registration. That, according to the Houston Chronicle, that, according to the 18% of the voters, don't have a government-issued photo ID. Not that they can't have it. They, they, they just don't have it. And I'm not sure exactly what is so difficult about getting a uh, government-issued photo ID, my friends. At any rate, the Texas uh, Secretary of State officials uh, did, did not find matching um, uh, driver's licenses, for example. Back in, 20, in 2012, they did not ma- find matching driver's licenses uh, or state-issued photo IDs for 2.4 million, 2.4 million of the state's 12 million registered voters. I, you know, that is a huge number of people that are voting without proper identification. Uh, although about 800,000 of those voters, apparently, uh, were supplied with a valid voter ID uh, when they first registered to vote. When they first registered to vote, they were given that. The findings come from documents submitted uh, by the state to the U.S. Department of Justice, uh, who has a, an ongoing review of the new voter ID at that point. Had, should I say, had the, the, the Supreme Court has... Uh, has put an end to it, but that was all in in uh, because of the uh, the nineteen the nineteen sixty eight voter right voter registration voter rights act, and that voter rights act, my friends, is about as discriminatory a law as you can find because it focuses on certain states rather than 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 applying the uh, the law to the entire the United States. It focuses it specifically targets the South, and uh, you know including Texas. So, you know, again, we've got these, these uh, matching exercises that are being conducted by the state even as we speak. And uh, here in Bear County, for example, 22% of Bear County voters apparently lack or match or match the, uh, a, a, a voter ID and a driver's license. You know, it, it, their, their voter registration does not match. Doesn't match. That compares 22%. That compares to 20% in Dallas County and 18% in Harris County. We have a problem here in Bear County in our own backyard. One of the problems that, that results from all of this, from, from, from people not having proper ID and from us not knowing who the heck is really, is really voting, is that uh, it particularly uh, causes this problem with absentee voting and what they call ballot harvesting. I don't know if you've heard about that, but that is, uh, you know, whenever there, there, there is a, a, uh, an, an election, uh, you know, rumors of, of voter fraud are really, really running rampant all the time, particularly when it comes to the issue of absentee ballot and, and voter harvesting. You know, uh, it, it, voter harvesting and, and absentee voting, my friends, is where somebody goes to a, uh, it goes to somebody who cannot uh, get themselves to a voting poll and that's usually at a, at a nursing home, at an elderly uh, 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 senior, a senior home, uh, or a uh, residence where there where there's a senior, and uh, you know they um, they they use the person uh, their voter registration to fill out an absentee ballot, and that absentee ballot is uh, it, that it, it it is a vote for someone who is being uh, paid. To harvest these votes, and thus it's called har- vote, vote har- ballot harvesting. It, it is it is patently patently uh, so illegal that it's not even funny. Back in May of this of, of 2018, Texas Attorney General Ken Paxton was uh, doing an investigation into this type of illegal uh, voting uh, down in South Texas. The AG addressed the investigation that was going on in municipal, for example, in uh, the municipal election of, in the, the city of Edinburgh down in the Rio Grande Valley. Uh, where he called it an organized scheme uh, and warning uh, of uh, he warned that there would be more arrests uh, back in May uh, because of the investigation. Apparently, three women, uh, Crystal Lee Ponce, Maria San Juanita Aleman, and uh, Veronica de las Sanchez, all good Irish names, uh, were charged with illegal voting, uh, a second-degree felony punishable with up to 20 years in prison and even $10,000 in fine, while Jose Antonio Vela, the second, uh, was charged uh, with making false statements on voter registrations, which is a Class B minor misdemeanor. Class B misdemeanor. Paxton's office is, was prosecuting nine voter fraud accounts in Nueces County. Okay? These uh, other ones that we just talked about were in, uh, in Edinburgh, in the Rio Grande Valley. This is now in Nueces County, which would be in Corpus Christi, where there were 
uh, nine voter uh, fraud counts and two counts of non-citizen voting in Harris County, all stemming from the 2016 election cycle. You know, in the past few years, over 100 arrests and convictions regarding political corruption and voter fraud have occurred in South Texas, my friends. Over 100 arrests, ranging from, yes, from mayors and police chiefs to uh, district attorneys and, of course, city councilmen, left and right. Incredible. 99% of those persons that were arrested, I hate to say it, here I am, gonna, but I'm going to say it, are Democrats. 99, 99% of them. It, it's it, this, you know, uh, it, what's really sad is that voter fraud uh, in South Texas has become almost an expected part of politics, my friends. You know, it, 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 it's, that is so shocking and sad when it's reported that way. It, uh, supposedly over a, a thousand people were charged, uh, uh, changed uh, their, their addresses. Apparently over a thousand people changed their addresses to go vote in the, Eric, in the Edinburgh city election. Over a thousand. That was the, that was the, the, uh, the count. You know, if that, if that is true, my friends, how much voter fraud is going on? There's also been uh, voter fraud. Uh, there was also voter fraud uh, cases uh, in West Dallas, for example, uh, back in 2017, February of 2017, where a, uh, a woman in Tarrant, uh, in, uh, oh, excuse me, in Tarrant County, in Fort Worth, not in Dallas, uh, in Tarrant County, a Mexican national with a green card was sentenced to eight years in prison for falsely claiming that she was a U.S. citizen and voting in an election. According to the Fort Worth uh, Star-Telegram, Rosa Maria Ortega, another, another good Irish name, a mother of four, testified that she was confused. She was confused with the difference between the rights granted to a legal resident and to a U.S. citizen, which, the, of course, the jury did not buy. Particularly since, uh, you know, she was a Mexican national, Okay. A Mexican national. She had voted as a Republican, apparently, even in this. I, that's so shocking, my friends. That is really, really tough. Now, let's talk about these politiqueras. I, I wanna, let, let, me, let me conclude our little uh, soiree into voter fraud. Because I want to talk about these politiqueras. Uh, you know, a, a politiquera, that, that's, that's a Spanish word, of course. A Spanish word. And a politiquera is a person... Uh, it's a unique word that's used down in the, in the valley, but it, um, it means a campaign worker. It's a time-honored tradition down there uh, where a, a person uh, typically gets paid to harvest to get votes and to bring, uh, by bringing elderly voters to polling places or by manipulating the mail-in va- ballot system. Voter fraud and politiqueras are, uh, are, are like community activists who are paid to harvest or bring in those, uh, those votes. They are paid by uh, campaigns. They are paid by people who are running uh, for election. And it's a tradition, my friends. It's a tradition. It is a very, very good method, particularly for influencing uh, elections by the South Texas political machines and establishments. Democrats and liberals who love to vote, view voting as a right for everyone and anyone who is everywhere and anywhere, they love it. And they want to make Voting easier for people. However, voting, my friends, should be a privilege reserved for people who have an investment in the society and in the government rather than someone who just resides in a jurisdiction. Let me say that again. Voting should be a, a, a right and privilege uh, reserved for people who have an investment in the government and in the society. Politiqueros do illegal work as, for, for politicians for pay. That, uh, you know, party precinct chairs, they should be doing the organizing, the getting out to the vote. That's what should be doing this. Instead, politiqueros are doing it illegally for pay. Political machines and establishments resist efforts. They resist the efforts to establish, to address the issue of uh, voter fraud. Uh, thing with things like like voter IDs, because honest elections could result in election losses and and the erosion of uh, of power for these establishments for these political machines. And that's the facts. That's the truth, my friends. While Democrats and the establishments and the political machines resist legislation to curtail the politiqueros and voter fraud, party precinct chairs need to step up 
And I'm putting out this call directly to you. Party precinct chairs should step up to challenge the politicos at their own game, but do it legally. Precinct chairs should be much more active in their communities to help the elderly, the disabled, and the uninformed to vote legally. That's the fact, Jack. We'll talk a little bit more about, about uh, uh, voter fraud because this is a big, big, big issue in South Texas, in San Antonio, and virtually in every urban area, every community across the country where Democrats, uh, where Democrats dominate, my friends. I guarantee Democrats, political machines, establishments, it's all the same thing to me. All the same thing to me. Once again, my friends, this is George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you from San Antonio, deep in the heart of South Texas, on KLUP AM 930, The Answer. Howdy, howdy, my friends. George Rodriguez, once again, El Conservador, talking to you from San Antonio, deep in the heart of South Texas, on KLUP 930 AM, The Answer. So welcome back. Let's talk uh, next about some local politics. Uh, and it is a trend that's not just local politics here in, in Bear County, San Antonio. But unfortunately, my friends, this is a pattern that we're seeing across the country. And uh, this has to do with uh, the respect uh, of the police departments, of the police officers themselves. Uh, it also has to do with uh, the uh, local governments defending, protecting uh, the uh, police officers. We've got to remember this sad situation a couple of years ago in uh, Baltimore, Maryland, where the uh, police officers literally were told to back off, back down during a riot. And uh, what ended up happening was that a lot of uh, innocent people and property was uh, destroyed by uh, people who uh, were on a rampage, who were out of control. And, uh, you know, we, we, consider, we, we consistently see this uh, pattern. We saw it a lot under the Obama administration, and we continue to see it. Well, unfortunately, we've got uh, something similar happening here in San Antonio. Back in November, uh, to lay the uh, groundwork for, that, for this, back in November of, of 2018, of last year, Democrat uh, Joe Gonzalez was elected Bear County District Attorney here in San Antonio with the financial backing, okay? Get this, with the financial backing of liberal billionaire George Soros. Uh, Gonzalez took uh, office uh, on January 1st, and uh, there seems to be some evidence that uh, even before he took office, there was a uh, an anti-police, uh, perhaps uh, anti-law and order atmosphere that was beginning to take uh, hold at the district attorney's office uh, in a disturbing trend. And that's how I'll put it in a disturbing trend, disturbing trend. Uh, prosecutors at the Bear County uh, district attorney's office have uh, failed to bring charges. They call it no bill. OK, they call it no build, uh, have failed to bring charges against suspects who have physically assaulted, injured and almost killed San Antonio police officers. Now, let's understand this, my friends, that if there's anything that a government, whether the government is a local government, a state government, or a federal government, if there's anything that a government should be doing, it is protecting its citizens. And by definition, it should be protecting the uh, folks who do the protecting. Uh, police officers, my friends, police officers uh, are, are it, it is a thankless job. If anybody has ever watched any of these reality programs at the police department, police officers, the disrespect they have to uh, endure, the, th the, uh, the danger they have to go through. Well, you know, when you've got a local government that is not protecting them as well as uh, they are expected to protect the citizens themselves, we have a problem. We have a problem. Let me give you three examples uh, where the, the, the local San Antonio Police Department has, uh, has reported some, some police officers that were not uh, that were not protected by the district attorney's office during 2018. 
Case number one, a police officer was attacked while he was investigating a disturbance uh, and he, he received a concussion. The suspect in this uh, that, that was arrested was also injured as the uh, officer subdued him. Uh, the, the San Antonio Police Department later cleared the officers of any wrongdoing in the incident. But get this. But the suspect was not uh, was not billed, was not charged by the district attorney's office. No, no charges were filed against him. A, a very, I mean, for insult, assaulting an officer. Incredible. Case number two, a suspect attacked and injured a police officer during a routine stop and check. During the attack, during the actual attack, the suspect attempted to take the, um, the officer's weapon. An off-duty officer witnessed, luckily witnessed the uh, situation and came to the officer's aid. The injured officer was transported or transferred to uh, a hospital with injuries, again, including a concussion. The case resulted again in no charges being filed against the suspect by uh, the district attorney's office. Case number three, and this one, in my opinion, is really one of the worst. An unarmed, all right, an unarmed off-duty police officer was shot six times in a parking lot altercation with a, with a suspect. The off-duty police officer managed to crawl back to his vehicle and retrieve his own weapon and return fire. He uh, struck the suspect multiple times and, uh, you know, incredibly, this is the only way that I can put it, incredibly, the district attorney's office blamed, blamed the off-duty police officer for the incident. They justified the suspect's Shooting of the unarmed officer. They justified it. Again, there were no charges filed by the DA's office against the, uh, the individual who had assaulted and almost killed a police, police officer. Uh, uh, police officers, my friends, let, let's be sure that we understand this. Police officers are an essential part of, of the judicial and justice system and of government. Their duties are vital in enforcing and maintaining a civilized and safe society. They really are. Sadly, however, many liberal politicians portray all police officers as community bullies. And the police in general have been villainized in popular culture. I mean, you look at movies, you look at TV, and so often, so often, the, uh, the, the criminal is a victim of circumstances, of, of life beyond his control. But the police officer... I mean, the police officer is just a bully. Tragically, this is really tragic, my friends. Tragically, 140 officers were, were killed in the line of duty uh, up until uh, December 15th of 2018. Through the year 2018, up until December 15th of that date. I haven't uh, really had a chance to, uh, to update it to see how many were actually killed for the entire year. But that, my friend, is the highest number of police officers ever killed uh, since the, th- those uh, figures started being recorded. You know, respect for the police officers, my friends. Respect for police has been undermined in many communities. If you don't believe that, go to Detroit. Heavens, go to, uh, go to Ferguson, Missouri. President, Helley, president Michael Helley, the uh, president of the San Antonio Police Officers Association, uh, has said that, uh, quoting, uh, prosecutors who fail to bring charges against those who assault police officers owe the community some answers. Time after time, rather than supporting our officers, he says, they side with those who, ins- who assault and injure them. And I couldn't agree more. We need to ask, we just plain need to ask the district attorney's office, who is elected by the people, the district attorney, like I said, we just plain need to ask, why? Why is this happening? Aren't the police officers worthy of our, uh, of our protection, our respect? More than anything else, the protection, equal protection under the law, like you would any other citizen. San Antonio and Bear County citizens can only hope, we can only hope that the incoming uh, district attorney, that the new district attorney, Joe Gonzalez, is going to protect officers and prosecute those who assault and almost kill them. 
when there is a perception, and I, you know, I, I'm, I'll put it very, very bluntly, my friends, when there is a perception that the local judicial system doesn't support the police, then the community is going to suffer. The community is going to have, is going to have this problem because I guarantee, my friends, that word will get around. That if there is no respect at the top level for the police officers, I guarantee there's not going to be any any respect at the lower level. There there won't be. It's a disturbing trend, and uh, it's one incident after another, and the 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 problem has got to be laid at the at the feet of the prosecutors at the Bear County District Attorney's Office. They have failed to bring charges against those suspects that have physically assaulted, injured, and almost killed the police officers. There are, you know, uh, those three cases that uh, I, I uh, shared with you, my friends, those are just three simple cases. There are more that have happened. There are more that have happened to a, uh, to a lesser degree, to a larger degree, but there are more that have happened. We cannot, we cannot play politics with law and order. We cannot play politics with the lives of our police officers. We have had for a long, long time a uh, situation in Bear County and in San Antonio where we've had uh, folks uh, who are in power, and I would call them part of an elite establishment, and they would, uh, these folks, in my opinion, these folks are, 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 are more interested in getting elected and keeping power than in protecting or obeying or promoting law and order, particularly law. When we've got folks that are that, that are excusing and then rewarding by uh, letting letting them off the hook, when we've got folks that are excusing uh, criminals, uh, suspects who have attacked uh, police officers, my friends, we're moving down a, 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 a very, very slippery slope. Once again, George Rodriguez and Ponceador talking to you from San Antonio, deep in the heart of South Texas. Please, 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 my friends, let's do what we can to support our police officers. They are the ones that put their lives on the line on a regular basis. They are the, lo- the ones who deserve respect. The, uh, the uh, 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 firefighters are in the, same, are, are in the same boat. And sadly, and sadly, they are the ones that are not getting uh, respected by our local government. Once again, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you from San Antonio on KLUP, 9.30 a.m. Hugh Hewitt tells you what you won't hear from the mainstream media. Look at what Donald Trump has accomplished in the last two years. Not only two Supreme Court appointments, the massive tax cut, and now you've got the prison reform bill, which has got you know liberals jumping up and down there happy. The substantive achievements in 17 to 18 uh, are among the most significant of any two years of the post-war era. The Hugh Hewitt Show, weekday mornings at 5, right before Mike Gallagher at 8, on 9.30 a.m. The Answer. Howdy, 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 my friends. George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you once again. Uh, let's do a quick little re- recap of uh, the program today. Uh, we talked about, first uh, First of all, we talked about the uh, illegal immigration the news update. That's going to be a regular segment that we're going to be doing uh, on our show. Uh, we uh, provide uh, that uh, update because there are so many things happening uh, around the country uh, not to mention just in Washington, D.C., but around the country. Uh, an example of that, I found out, I found two uh, stories this afternoon. Uh, just before I came back, uh, I came over to the studio, I found two stories of uh, illegal aliens that had uh, uh, been accused or have been arrested for crimes. And uh, these uh, are being reported on small uh, local ra- local local uh, newspapers they're not being reported uh, they're not being picked up by uh, the national press and certainly uh, you know 
politicians are not talking about this. Uh, again, I think that that's one of the reasons, of course, why uh, we end up having conservative talk radio. And, of course, while uh, that's one of the reasons, definitely, I've uh, I've stepped into this uh, this role, although it is fun. It's uh, very, very necessary because I think uh, a lot of the news, a lot of the stories that are very, very critical and important um, to uh, our public safety regarding uh, illegal immigration, I, I think they're, they're, they're ignored. The other thing that we talked about was uh, the issue regarding voter fraud, not only here in, in, uh, in Texas, uh, but uh, across the country, but uh, particularly this issue of uh, the absentee ballots. I mean, that is something, my friends, that is so, so abused. Uh, an absentee ballot, again, is one of those um, ballots that is uh, filled out uh, by a uh, supposed registered voter uh, who cannot make it to the polls. And what ends up happening is that this registered voter either mails it in or somebody brings it uh, to the uh, to the county courthouse and to uh, to have uh, to have it um, uh, filed as a as a vote. Uh, the problem with that, again, my friends, the problem with that is that we've got folks who get paid, who get paid for going out and and uh, seeking registered voters or who uh, seek voters that uh, were registered who were no longer living in the uh, in the community, in the jurisdiction or that are deceased. I mean, you know, that's been a long, long, long uh, uh, running joke of how many people vote, uh, how many dead people have voted in a uh, in a. Uh, Election. Well, that's all a result of this absentee, absentee voting, uh, and uh, unless it's it, it's tightened up, unless we tighten up some some in some form or fashion, my friends, we're going to continue to have big big problems. And uh, you know, the, we can pass all the all the uh, voter registration laws we want, uh, as long as the absentee voting uh, is allowed, as long as it's not uh, monitored, checked. Re- Whatever we want to, whatever, however way we want to put it, unless we do something about it, uh, it's uh, it's going to continue to be abused. The uh, third thing we talked about was the the issue of uh, the Bear County District Attorney's Office, the prosecutors letting um, folks who uh, suspects who assaulted officers, letting them off the hook, not uh, filing charges against them. And I think that this is this is a real, real problem, my friends. Uh, the police, the police again, do a very, very uh, important job. In fact, in my book, uh, public safety is uh, is the most important uh, uh, thing that a local government, a state government, or a federal government should do for its citizens. Public safety. Uh, you know, I mean, I, to me, the role of of, of uh, the police are much more important uh, in a municipal government than, dare I say, parks and wildlife, uh, than, dare I say, uh, permits for playing softball, than, dare I say, uh, permits for uh, building uh, a, a uh, uh, for, for building permits. I mean, I, public safety, public safety by the police department is much more important than anything else that, uh, in my opinion, the, um, the uh, city government does. And here, the people that are doing public safety, the police officers, uh, are being uh, are, are not receiving the same legal, the same uh, protection, legal protections that uh, citizens do. They get attacked, and uh, charges are not filed against the, the attacker. I mean, how can that be, my friends? How can that be? That uh, that is something that needs to be addressed. And the problem again, uh, the 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 root cause of this. Uh, comes from uh, the the uh, district attorney's office and uh, whatever attitude they've got over there regarding the police officers. I'm not sure what that's all about. Uh, we do know we do know that the new incoming the new incoming district attorney for Bear County is uh, a gentleman named Joe Gonzalez who won the election, and Joe Gonzalez received support from none other than George Soros. You know George Soros. Our happy-go-lucky Wizard of Oz from liberal of liberal uh, uh, tendencies of liberal issues, uh, who lives in New York. Uh, he funded he funneled something like a million dollars into Joe Gonzalez's uh, election campaign. So, if there's already an attitude, if there's already a trend to disrespect the police officers, even before uh, Joe Gonzalez gets in there, uh, 
I, I shudder. I shudder to think what uh, what will happen. Uh, we, you know, this program again, my friends, is uh, being brought to you uh, on KLUP KLUP nine thirty AM, the answer. And uh, we want to be sure, my friends, that you are all uh, that you're telling everybody about it, that you're telling friends and neighbors about it, because we want to we, we want to expand. I think one of the we are trying to fill a uh, a void, you might say, uh, regarding uh, conservative radio, conservative uh, the approach to conservative issues by someone who is a uh, an American of uh, Hispanic. I hate to use that word. I'll use the word. Mexican descent, because uh, I really don't know what a Hispanic is, and I'll explain why. I think that uh, filling that void is, is very important, and let me explain to you why. The situation that we've got is that race relations, because of li- the liberal media, because of liberal politicians, the issue of race relations has got has deteriorated to, to a huge, huge, huge uh, uh, low level, in my opinion. And uh, the problem, again, uh, is that uh, uh, minorities, uh, liberals portray minorities as uh, as victims. And I think uh, in many cases when they demand, when the minorities, uh, I, I watch that uh, on TV quite often, MSNBC, uh, NBC, the uh, minority, minority politicians and minority activists demand an honest discussion. Well, let me tell you what uh, what I hear when they talk about an honest discussion. What I hear when they say that, I hear them saying, you know, we're going to talk about uh, race relations based on my uh, from my point of view, not from your point of view. And the only thing I want to hear from your point of view is apology, apology, apology. We've got the the uh, the ridiculous situation over in Houston where where Congresswoman Sheila Jackson Lee, uh, a uh, a black de- female Democrat. Uh, who has been in power for, gosh, almost 20 years over there as a congresswoman. Um, Sheila Jackson Lee has, is introducing legislation in the new Democrat-dominated uh, House for, um, for um, monetary reparations to, um, uh, for, for uh, former slaves. Uh, I, I'm sorry, you know, let's, let's be honest. Let's be honest and let, let me, you know, be, the problem is that uh, when, when I talk about history, uh, I talk about history uh, from a point of view that uh, it's politically incorrect because politically, because uh, history is politically incorrect. History is just truthful, and um, the fact of the matter is that uh, the slaves were freed. There was a huge war in which uh, several hundred thousand whites lost their lives in freeing the slaves, uh, and and uh, that situation, my friends, has now. Uh, is one where I think that that precious blood uh, has paid uh, for any kind of uh, of uh, money or financial uh, uh, desire that somebody might have to uh, for for repatriations. I think that that's that uh, that debt has been paid, and uh, I am not sure. I I I out of all of the. Uh, white friends that I've got, white male friends in particular, because they seem to be the worst ones uh, as far as many uh, liberal Democrats talk about, uh, white Christian friends on top of that, white Christian males, uh, I, I really don't know any of them that have ever sl- owned slaves. I really don't. In fact, I, you know, I just don't know any of them who have ever even wanted to, to own a slave. I really, maybe, I, maybe my uh, circles... My social circles are very limited, but I don't think so. I mean, uh, all my life I've uh, lived and uh, worked and played with uh, white males, and I'm just, I've never heard one say that they wanted to own a slave or have owned, actually owned a slave. So uh, I'm not sure about that whole, that whole approach. The other aspect of it is, again, from a Hispanic point of view, okay? Um, first of all, let me explain to you that from my perspective, the word Hispanic, and it is, the word Hispanic is a word that was contrived. It was a group that was invented, a group that was de- invented for political reasons, for, for census and political reasons, back in the 1960s, the late, the early, the, the late 1960s, early 1970s. Uh, during the Nixon administration, it was invented. And um, again, the, it was invented for political uh, convenience. Uh, because they didn't know how to lump together 
people of Cuban, Puerto Rican, uh, Dominican, and of course of Mexican descent. Here we are in 2018, and everybody throws around the word uh, Latino and Hispanic. And uh, the fact of the matter is this, okay? The fact of the matter is this. I don't want to blow your mind, but there is no such thing as a Hispanic or a Latino because uh, we all, uh, people that have Spanish surnames, people that have uh, uh, Latino uh, uh, backgrounds, Latin American backgrounds, are radically different. They're just as radically different as the people from Europe, okay? I mean, folks uh, are very, very, and this is one of the things, my friends, that we have got to understand, we've got to, to look at. Race relations, that's one of the things that I'm going to be talking about a great deal, because we've got to understand that race relations are based on facts, on truth, not on, uh, on emotion. And, uh, you know, when we talk about the Alamo, oh, we're going to talk about the Alamo. Mm-mm-mm. How do some of my, some of my liberal Mexican friends carry it on? carry on about the Alamo, about Texas. Uh, these are the things that we will be talking about, my friends. Um, I also want to uh, tell folks that, um, you know, uh, that I will be speaking, if you're, if you're interested, I'll be speaking at two events, uh, one of them uh, on Monday, January 14th, uh, at 6.30 at the Blue Verde Republican Women uh, in New Braunfels. I'll be speaking at their, at their event, January 14th. Also, Monday the uh, 4th, I'll be speaking at the uh, Texas A&M Club at 11.30 in the morning at Aggie Park. Hope that you'll join us, my friends. I hope that you will come out. In the meantime, I hope that you really, really will will, uh, support El Conservador on KLUP-FM 9.30, The Answer. We really would appreciate it, and thank you for your support. Thank you very much. Once again, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you from San Antonio, deep in the heart of South Texas. Till next time. J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.